all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Thanks for being with us today, Unrelatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Hoarding is a disorder that's been sensationalized by TV shows over the last 10 years. But it really is an, a disorder, and it affects more than you would understand and realize many times. About three out of 100 people can be significantly affected um, as as a hoarder, can really have the real disorder. And then it can affect people around you if you are a hoarder. And we'll talk about how much that can affect people. We'll talk about the true disorder, what damage it can do, and then how it can be treated, because it can Sometimes it's not as easy as it would seem, just get rid of the stuff, but um, we'll talk about that as we move through the show. But I, I wanted to just talk about this disorder because it is common, and it really can affect many people around you, and it can really significantly impair the life of the hoarder. So... I'm going to talk about what that is in a minute, but first I want to say good morning to my producer, Abram Nanny. Hi, Abram. Good to see you today. Good to see you, too. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I just drove up from the coast. I had a clinic down on the coast uh, this past week, and I always loved that. I had a lovely lunch with a couple of our legislators down there who were very involved with children and their families. And that was a wonderful visit with uh, representatives Richard Bennett and uh, Kevin Fulcher. Um, So that was nice. Um, And then I went to Minnesota for a Society of Developmental and Behavioral Pediatrics, which we talked about so many different issues there, and then I flew back, so Ooh. I'm here. Ooh. Busy, busy. Everyone wants to see you, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, and I, I, I t- truly love what I do. I think anybody who knows me knows I, I like being busy, and I like advocating for family and families, yeah. period. I, I've picked so. up on that a little bit, <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about an interesting topic today, hoarding. And, you know, the TV shows that started, what, about 10 years ago or maybe more, have have just shown the 
what seems to be the worst of the worst. And, oh, they must be finding these cases that are one in a million. But the truth is, is is it's not one in a million. It's three in a hundred. Uh, and it seems to occur in the older population more. Yeah. I, I mean, like, the shows are so, like you said earlier, they're sensationalized. But, like, it's not... It's it's not as rare as you would think. It's not just an absurd case, one absurd case mm-hmm. here and there. It's it's yeah. pretty common. Like your neighbor in in statistically in the subdivision that you live in, yeah. probably someone in in your subdivision. Yeah, I'll 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 tell a little story uh, quickly. Um, we we had a rental house and uh, we're we're renting it to a lovely family. Very nice, very hardworking, very hardworking. Thought everything was going great, never complained about anything. It was a long-term rental. And um, and then something happened, and there was a water problem, and we had to go in and had a worker, a plumber, go in and work in the house. And he came back and told my husband, oh, my goodness, this is not okay. I could hardly get into the kitchen. Oh, no. And, and the individual, I'm, I'm not sure which one, but the individual, one of them who was living there was a major hoarder to the point that there were newspapers, boxes, items of, of little value stacked up to the ceiling at, with pathways through the house tight pathways so that an obese person could not walk through there you'd had to if you mm-hmm. if you were a big person my husband is certainly not obese but he is tall and he's a big man and um he he had to sort of walk through sideways in some of the house my goodness how yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll bring this up, but like, it, I'll, I'll always wonder like how it gets to that. How can point. it get to that point? Yes, yeah, and we'll we will talk about that. So, uh, listeners, are you one of those people who has difficulty of letting things go? So, a lot of us have that. I have some of that. I'm a very sentimental person. I get very emotional about special things, and for the longest, I truly did keep. Almost every item any of my children drew or or a program that they were in or something like that and and hang on to Valentine's and cards now I'm much more selective, I think I'm better. Somebody might call in and say you are not <laughs> but but I do think there's a big difference in in that kind of sentimental gathering and what we're talking about, the pathologic true hoarding. There's a difference in collecting and hoarding, and we'll talk about the differences there. So... And there's there's a bit of a, a difference in being a pack rat where you really do just kind of keep things around and and it morphing into the much bigger disease disorder that there is. And I, I call it a, a disease because it is one of those things that that is something that individuals really cannot help after a while. So it becomes pathologic when 
when individuals have the persistent difficulty of parting with items that are seemingly worthless in value. Like, let me give examples. Newspapers, I said that pizza boxes, uh, chicken boxes. Yes, you're making a face over there. I am. It's very, it's a, it's a, scrunched up gross out face yeah 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 (laughs) and you know chicken boxes this is this is true other items you know strings papers boxes jars those kinds of things now one of my children might call in i think i talked about this one time uh i started using old glass jars that food came in. I'd wash them out and save them and then use them as storage containers. I was being environmentally conscious instead of using Ziploc bags or whatever. And um, But but it really did get to the point where it was cluttering my pantry. I had so many empty jars of uh, that that were not being used. And so I had to talk myself, and one of my daughters talked me through it. It's like, Mom, it's okay. Uh, glass is one of those things that doesn't hurt our environment so much. And so it, that you do have to think about when things are pathologic and and. What what does that pathology mean? So it means that it causes extreme discomfort, extreme upset. And so many of these individuals have anxiety disorder or depression that's sort of stacked on top of this. Well, see, that's what I was wondering, because when I when I first pictured hoarders, I always imagined it would uh, be associated with like an obsessive compulsive disorder. So is is that along with hoarding and it can be. Yes. And and they're still even even now as much advance as we've we've had in studying obsessive compulsive disorder and depression and anxiety, we still don't know exactly what causes Hoarding, except that it is more likely to be in individuals with OCD, anxiety, or depression. And all of that is sort of under that umbrella of anxiety disorder. So, again, listeners, I'd love to hear from you. Are, are, are you a hoarder? Are you, do you know someone who has struggled with that and have you tried to help them? Um, is it something that you would like to know more about as far as what you should do or how you can move forward to getting help? Hoarding, hoarding disorder. So what that is is people with hoarding disorders are persistently having difficulty with getting rid of parting with possessions due to a perceived need to save the items. And then if they try to part with possessions or items, it it causes extreme distress and can um, cause significant problems in their in their lives. The resulting clutter often can really disrupt the ability to even live in the space in which they're in. So it can it can be very difficult. It's not 
I want to repeat this because I don't want every collector out there to think that they're a hoarder. Hoarding is not the same as collecting. Collectors typically um, acquire possessions in a real organized and intentional, targeted fashion. And then once they get the items, they tend to display them, appreciate them, show them. Um, The acquisition of those items are something that they treasure and admire and, you know, hopefully share with others. So um, people who hoard the items that they keep, it's largely impulsive, not a lot of active planning, not a lot of... um, need to to display it but just to save it and and it's often triggered just by the sight of an object that they have to keep okay or the use of an object that they cannot let go of so objects that are acquired by people who have hoarding lack a collector like theme it's just whatever came about Right, just something that came in their position and now it stays in their possession. Now it stays in their possession because it might have a use later. Um, There might be a need later. And, you know, back, I I do remember, not that I had grandparents on either side who were hoarders, but I had grandmothers who saved. They grew up during the Depression. They saved rubber bands. They always had rubber band balls. They saved strings. They had nets that they put bits of used soap in so that they could continue to use it. That was being exceedingly frugal and using those items over and over and over again until they were not usable anymore. Right. In hoarding, the items are not usable. And they are not used. They are just gathered and stacked and and become actually a health hazard. For sure. And like um, I I was wondering if I'm sure we might bring it up as we go along. But if the uh, this hoarding like has like an age generational thing, because I imagine, you know, anxiety was not something that was talked about as much in an older generation. Um, right, the older generation that exists now, and I was wondering if that's just how that manifests in in the older generation. It, is that those anxiety disorders? Is that uh, internalized anxiety? Right. That's a good question, but I don't think that question has been answered. What we do know that uh, that that hoarding, that kind of behavior, can can start even in the mid to late teens. But it it tends not to become progressively worse until a person is around in their late 50s, 60s or so. Okay. So un- unless it's checked. And so as, as we talk about all the time, early intervention, intervening on something early and helping that individual through it can often prevent things from getting worse and worse and worse. And so sometimes just having somebody who cares about you or, or someone along the way who says, 
This is an issue. We need to work on this. Let's get rid of this. Face that discomfort and realize that nothing bad is going to happen. Because it's sort of, you mentioned obsessive compulsive disorder earlier. And if you think about it, it is somewhat similar in that, as I mentioned earlier, a person who has a hoarding problem has extreme discomfort, even with the thought of getting rid of something because they might need it. It might cause anxiety. It, 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 it might be an item that they should have kept, and they'll worry about, why didn't I keep that item? Now I need it, and it's gone, when in reality they, they didn't. In OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder, an individual often will feel the need to have things just as they think they should be or may feel compelled to do the same action over and over again, like checking a doorknob or going back and uh, making sure that every single drawer is closed perfectly. And if they don't, they might have a feeling that something horrible will happen to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have a I have a buddy that admitted to me the other day he has to check and make sure he locked the door like three or four times before he leaves the house. Yeah. Um, and that's just like a small thing, but it could be tied into something bigger. And we actually did have a caller call in earlier. Okay. Um, who was not able to come on the air, but our screener, Kevin, uh, conveyed to me that they express concern because their eight-year-old um, is, you know, is being an eight-year-old and has a bunch of toys and is not wanting to let go of any of their toys, but they're having a new child on the way and they have to make room for this new child. And to do that, they're going to have to get rid of some of the eight-year-old toys. And he was wondering, or they were wondering, um, how to approach an eight-year-old and say, hey, we have to get rid of some of your stuff. Oh, what a great question, and what a great way to begin to teach a child about giving to others. Ooh. So, what I would do is to have the child do a pile, say, okay, let's put all of your very most favorite toys in this stack, and the toys that you don't play with very much in this stack and have two different piles. And then let's talk about children who are in need, who don't have, their parents don't have enough money to buy them toys. And what I want us to do is to give the stack that you don't play very much with to another child who's in need and start start talking about it as giving and helping other people. And please, I, my big piece of advice is don't say you've got to give your toys away because your baby brother's coming. Okay, you don't want to ever do that, because then all of a sudden, baby brother, who is this tiny little thing, is a bad guy because he's, he's already the villain. <laughs> he's in the story. already the villain in the story. So you you want to make it not making space for this baby who's taking your space away. But the fact that, gosh, we mama and and daddy are going to do the same. And so you can model that pattern. 
pattern by going through and and coming up with a few things that you too can give perhaps to a person in need. And that can go, you know, to Goodwill, to Salvation Army. There's so many different places. I know there's Crossroads Ministry in our area that the the things go to a second store so that individuals can buy them at a lower price. And so an eight-year-old can understand every single bit of that. But I do think it's going to be very, very important, especially, you know, I'm sorry the caller couldn't stay on, but especially if if our eight-year-old has been an only child mm-hmm. for eight years, absolutely, uh, that, that you have to make sure to let them feel like they're not losing their place. But they're making they're making a contribution to some someone else. The other thing too, though, is I would talk to him or her about perhaps even saving a few items for the new baby. And again, careful. Not that you have to give your items to the baby, but you could think about what you might want to save when the baby gets old enough because it'll be a while before they'll be able to play with these big big person toys. Right, like something so, a little special for the kid. Right. So, yeah, and I think it's important what you said to uh, to make a model or an example of it right. as a parent because not... I mean, the kid's just going to see... I'm giving it away. But if you if you model that and say, like, we're giving away our clothes as well, um, some old stuff that I can't fit. Yeah, and our mama's, some of her, you know, her, her dishes or her jewelry, right. her costume jewelry or whatever, you know, shoes to, to model whatever. But that would, that, I think, always making sure... <clears throat> Pardon me, that that when you have a child and you're trying to make space and adjust for a second or third child coming in, that you make sure that it doesn't make the elder child feel like they're being pushed away or pushed out or their 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 place is being infringed on. Yeah, definitely. Okay, definitely. So, listeners, I'd love to hear other questions if you have any as we're moving along about about this, and you know, talking and and I will say that that really important that kind of behavior and modeling that kind of behavior to an eight, nine, ten year old is is vitally important because then you kind of set the stage for the right kind of behavior and having things organized and not cluttered because the as I think everybody knows out there clutter begets clutter if you if you have a, a stack of stuff uh, then you're likely to just keep stacking on top of that stuff but if you have a clean and organized space then you're more likely to keep it clean and organized. It's just like the studies that have been done on litter that show places that have litter are the places that gather more litter. Right. So, it's it's yeah. a systemic thing. Yeah. It is. And and a circuitous thing. It just keeps circling back. Well, somebody threw a piece down there, so I can just throw mine there too. So, 
Well, give us a call with your thoughts or your comments about hoarding, collecting, clutter, organizing. How how have you managed it, listeners? Have you had any issues where you felt like you were getting a little bit out of control? And was there something that you did for yourself or you did to help others get pull things back in so that that you you don't fall into a pattern that you haven't been able to get out of with just keeping items that are useless. You know, um, as we said earlier, this this really does seem to have a lot of cr- crossover in those with anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder. Not as much depression, but depression also. And as we talk about frequently, the same neurochemicals are involved. So again, we don't know why some people end up being collectors, but not hoarders. And some people are minimalist and want very little in their midst. And I know one thing that we've talked about before is, Abram, people in your generation tend to want less material items from what what I have have read and understood. Do you think that there seems to be sort of a less gathering aspect from people in their 20s and 30s than there is in, in the elder generation? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And that's something that I've been wanting to talk about on Everyday Tech for a little bit is um, I do think that as the world gets more digital and younger people are you know, buying more things that stay on their computer or on the TV or pay for something that stays on the TV. Uh, the physical stuff is not as uh, consistently purchased. Yeah. It's it's a lot more of just a digital thing or, you know, online shopping or something like that. And I think that's kind of where that energy goes now instead of buying something that clutters the house. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting, and and uh, I wonder, it'll be very interesting to see what happens as you guys age, and and how, since we know that that kind of, that, that hoarding truly develops at its worst in the 60s, and this isn't very recent research, this is something that we've known along, and we also know that it's not only old people who start falling into those patterns, it just becomes a massive problem as you age if it's not addressed, because more and more is gathered. So that's a, a a really good question. Though I will say I think it is it could get worse though because uh as we keep going, you know, people are cooking from home less and people are ordering pizza or ordering those chicken boxes um <laughs> that you're talking about. So who knows, maybe once my generation gets 50 to 60, we won't care to uh, cook anything anymore, and we'll just collect pizza boxes on top of the countertop. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of uh, fast food and ordering out that happens a lot. There also is a lot, even though not a lot of going out and shopping uh, as much in younger people, but a lot of online 
ordering. I wonder, too, how how much is that modeling piece that we were talking about? If you're parents tended to be hoarders and I don't know this answer we know that there might be some hereditary component for sure to anxiety OCD uh, depression but if you lived in a household where you had a parent who was a hoarder are you more likely to become a hoarder are you more likely to become one who hates having clutter around I wonder if there's a listener out there who dealt with that, because I would love to hear from you about that, whether or not exposure to it and and the fact that you felt like your life was perhaps affected by it, did it send you in the complete other direction? Thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Abram Nanny. We're talking about hoarding and and the difficulty that occurs in hoarding disorder with getting rid of even the least item, the unusual, usable items, the things that you really don't need, can't use, but you have extreme discomfort getting rid of them to the point that it can cause significant problems with health. And I I just want to mention some of the consequences real quickly. It can cause problems in relationships, if you think about it. If you have a, a spouse or a significant other that is is engaging in hoarding and it is really bothering you and it's cluttering up literally your lives, cluttering your lives, that can be an issue. It can be a fire hazard. It can be a safety hazard as far as things falling on you, a tripping hazard. It can certainly cause health code violations. Uh, Think about the bacteria, the mildew, the fungus that can grow in in all kinds of stuff uh, that is gathered such as this. And then the other thing that it it does, and it happened in that that rental house that I was talking about earlier, um, it rendered the kitchen unusable. You couldn't use your room because things were all on top of the stove in the sink. Um, so there was a huge hygiene problem also. Let alone servicing it, like like you said, right, like right. you had to have a plumber in there, like. Let like you may not be able to walk through the kitchen, let alone get to the faucets and crank under the pipes and stuff. Exactly. All right. Well, let's go to the phones. We have Ruby and Moss Point with a comment on the subject. Hi, Ruby. Hi. So tell us what your thoughts are. Did have you had an experience with this? Uh, yes. Uh, a friend and um, Alexa lowers the volume. Um, yes, and my biggest concern is um, how to help them because they're stuck, I and mean, it's you can't do any get even get into their house hardly in any room that everything's being stored in everything. Not even the air condition doesn't work. They mm-hmm. they won't let people in because they're embarrassed, and and I understand that. But you know, and I've I've tried to talk to her, and I, it's just I really would like to know what can be done for people like this. 
So does she realize that she has a problem, Ruby? You said oh, yeah. she does. Yeah. And but it's, and it's from to for her it's a tragedy a sequence of events that she just feels stuck. You know, um that have happened to her over a period of years and and she used to I mean she ne- was never like this but she works and she does that fine and if you talk to her you'd never know but you can't get into her house. Yeah. 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 She can hardly even have a place to function. You know, she can't use anything in her kitchen anymore. So it's yeah, and that's exactly what happens. And and I mean you're describing the the exact sort of scenario of how things end up. Is she an older woman? Um you know, um, late sixties, mm-hmm. early seventies. Yeah, so that's sort of when when it seems to start reaching a peak. And so the main treatment with hoarding disorder is cognitive behavioral therapy. It, it's it's behavioral therapy where you uh, work through the issue, uh, and and it's sort of like that. OCD exposure therapy, teaching someone that getting rid of a few items doesn't change the world, nothing terrible happens, uh, the, the house isn't going to fall in, and they're not going to need those items. And so basically the way a therapist does it is to first work on calming techniques, centering back, teaching people how to, to center back and uh, under, understand that mm-hmm. how to manage their anxiety when they start feeling it. The other thing... Yeah, but- She's gone to a, a therapist, and this therapist has given her this diagnosis of ADHD oh. and put her on Adderall. And, I mean, you know, and she's got her own physical issues that make it even more difficult. But we've had, you know, there have been several of us have tried, and her family too, and have cleaned out areas only for them to go right back again. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's so frustrating because... I have my own issues. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you're trying to help her. Not being, yeah, yeah, and 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 I have, you know, so I don't want to. I don't have the energy or time to really go in there and clean out her house, but then she won't let anybody in that she doesn't trust. Right. It's just, ugh. and I like, you know, I mean, I think the ADHD is crap. I think it's just another label. I mean, you know, it's just another drug to put her on. And the, the only uh, only thing she's offered that the therapist has told her is to take one box at a time and get, get it out. Yeah. Well, she hadn't even doing that. Yeah. So, um, Ruby, this would be my suggestion. Maybe if a group of you, um, her her friends, if there is, could help help that be a gradual thing that that would be some sort of check back the the one box at a time like like you said is probably not going to happen unless there's somebody there with her and and helping yeah yeah and 
to the other piece is to resolve not to bring anything else into the house that if if you feel the urge to have something and you can't let go of it you have to push through that urge and make the decision consciously that nothing else can come into the house so it has to be one of those those decision making the other thing Everybody would recommend taking one room at a time, like y'all tried to do, and and resolve that at least that space would stay completely uncluttered. Group therapy sometimes is really helpful for this. I will tell you the other thing is that because we have good telebehavioral therapy now, that there are some behavioral therapies online. Of course, she may not have that ability. Uh, oh, no, she does. Oh, she, she does. Yeah. She's online. But, see, I think it needs – I think we're just so in a society where nobody connects and everybody's online or right. on the phone. And it's like – Right. I'm, I think – that's part of the problem. She's alone. Well, and, and that's one of the treatments. You just said one of my lines is that a lot of times this develops and and because people are isolated. And so right. and and one of the therapy recommendations by every single major group is to to have a group of family or friends who regularly help to declutter and and move things forward. So uh, it it really, unfortunately, is a hard, difficult disorder to treat, but you can get through it. And medication may be useful. Now, there are a few articles that have shown that Adderall and other stimulants are helpful with hoarding. I'm not sure why it doesn't completely make sense to me, other than maybe a little bit of the neurochemical dopamine is elevated. It's not you know. helping her. And so it may be it may be that another medicine that is truly targeting anxiety would be better. But it does sound like she she needs to have some real ongoing help and support. Are there no organizations that help with this? Uh, the reason I say that is because family has done it, friends have done it, and it continues to go right back to the same thing yeah and now she just if you bring it up she just says i'm just stuck i'm just stuck and that's what her therapist told her she's stuck well we i mean we all have our issues yeah but i mean i have a i have a parent with alzheimer's my other friend has you know a mother she's caretaking of we don't have that you're all struggling. To devote to her. Yeah, we have enough. Yeah. It it really but we hate to see her going through this. Yeah. There are the National Institute of Mental Health and um, the American Psychiatric Association has some great information on their websites, uh, Mayo Clinic, too. And so um, there are some national support organizations that she could tap into. But again, I think it's just going to take people also being around her because online's yeah. great but but having some some truly literally hands-on help is going to be important so yeah. i know it's a struggle and ruby she's lucky to have you at least reaching out to to think about it but 
Gosh, well, good luck. I've heard several. Yeah, and it's just it's so frustrating because I w- I wish I could just turn her around, but mm-hmm. you know I have issues getting rid of my mother's stuff because you know she's still alive, and I feel guilty because now I can't take care of her in the home, and you know I had to put her in the mental. I mean, um, nursing memory home. care. Uh-huh. And, yeah. 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 You don't need to feel and, guilty about that because that can wear know, on but, your own health. That can wear on your own health. And that actually, how would you feel if you fell asleep and she got up and fell down the stairs one day because you weren't there 24-7? You would feel yeah, guilty I, about I, that, I too. for seven years and yeah. had total burnout. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I spent two years feeling guilty. I'm past the the real guilt. I mean, I, I, I always knew logically, but you know, it was just hard for me to function. Yeah. Other ways, and so, um, and and then even trying to get therapy for, um, you find yourself in places where, like, I'm a an only child, so I don't have any other help. My children live thousands of miles away and so you know it's just (laughs) i just go at it as i can i do the one or two or more like five boxes at a time but yeah but that's just from collecting of her things and my things yeah so i have enough trouble with that and (laughs) a house full of boxes yeah But um, but I have functional space, and I have a dog, and, and, and I, well, you, know, you what you want to do, yeah, Ruby, what you want to <laughs> do is make yourself get rid of some of that. Don't don't let it start gathering too. So. Okay, I'm going to have to go to the, I've got a couple of people waiting. Ruby, you've got a lot going on. I hope you'll stay tuned and come back. We're going to be talking about taking care of aged parents again, as we have before, and I know that's tough. But thank you for calling. Okay, let's go to Barbara in Hattiesburg. Hey, Barbara. I know you've been waiting a while. Um, tell us what your comments are. Yeah. Um, I was married to a hoarder. Um, we were married for 25 years. Unfortunately, um, he has passed away. So it's pretty easy for me to talk about this now. Mm-hmm. It is a very difficult struggle. Um, it was. It was very difficult from the, yeah, he needed his space for all this hoarding, but I needed my space, and two children needed their space. Right, right. Uh, It it was a very interesting (laughs) challenge in trying, you know, as the mother, the wife, meet meet with everyone's needs. Were you ever able to get him to realize that there was a problem and that he needed to try to address it? Absolutely not. Oh, goodness. Um, what I did, <laughs> I confined him. Mm-hmm. I gave him one room as an office, the garage, and I just stayed out of there. And mm-hmm. I told the kid, just stay out of it. Mm-hmm. And... The three of us required that the rest of the house not be imposed on mm-hmm. by this behavior. 
Then when his mother died, ma'am, <laughs> I found out where this problem came from. She was also we, that way. Yeah. Uh, not only her, but her mother. Then her sister died, and we adhered to what she had, and same problem. Wow. So, and yeah, there, there's some definite hereditary tendency for anxiety disorders and OCD, and so obviously hoarding as a model would be an issue, too. Yeah. Wow. And this is what I found was it was beginning, and I think this is finally how I broke through to him. This is giving me severe anxiety, mm-hmm. and it is bothering the children. And it's not necessary. It's just not necessary. But I would describe these these were wealthy people. So they were what I would describe as collector hoarders. Mm-hmm. This stuff had no purpose. They had so much, there was no way they could use it. Mm-hmm. And when his mother died, I mean, six complete dinner sets of china. Mm-hmm. 12 complete sets, and I mean 12-piece place settings of glasses, six complete sets of sterling silver. Wow. And then when the downstairs house got full, this was an old home, beautiful home, but the upstairs was like a second home. A family lived there during World War II. And when I opened that door and walked up there, it was unbelievable. So it does sound like they had some obsessive collection. So you had some, um, you know, a little bit of a different flavor, but still can right. be so problematic because, you know, maybe it, it's hard to even keep that kind of stuff clean. And so it it really, I uh, admire you and commend you for being able to keep it contained. I think this is a big example of why when there is a mental behavioral health issue, if it can get addressed early and and implementation of the right kind of therapy can happen early, then you don't end up with generations of problems like this, Barbara. So... Um, I'm glad you were able to do that. I hope your children um, are on the other end of that spectrum now for you. So thank you for your call. Uh, Let's go to Lauren. We have uh, just a couple of minutes for our last caller. Lauren in Natchez has a hoarding tendency. So talk to us about that, Lauren. Um, Yeah, I grew up in a family where my mom threw away everything and my dad was a bit of a pack rat so um all of the kids with the exception of my oldest brother he's not a pack rat but the rest of us all have that tendency and for me i feel like it it probably does have a little to do with an adhd Mm -hmm. um kind of thing because um i have a hard time organizing stuff Right. Um, and so I've had to, um, like, seek out, um, as an adult, I've sought out friends um, who seemed better organized. Uh-huh. And they've been able to help me organize my stuff and learn how to throw things away, you know. That's, uh, a, that's a great idea. 
And truly one of the issues with ADHD is problems with organization and and being able to categorize things. And so that's why I think you probably heard from our earlier caller um, that one of the therapists had put the individual on an Adderall, an ADHD medicine, and, and it may be that they thought that that might help with the organization of thoughts to be able to process through that executive function piece. And so, um, yeah, it sounds like you're trying to get a handle on it, Lauren. And in our last few seconds, I just want to tell you, good luck with that. Center your mind. Tell yourself you can do it, that you can move forward, but continue to get any kind of professional help, and and you'll be able to get through it because you are at that sort of peak time where issues may happen. And so if you can nip it now, you will be in good shape in the next 10 years. So thank you for your call. Okay, well, thanks, everybody. I always appreciate the calls. I wish we hadn't had to rush through them. We may need to come back to this. Southern Remedy is a production of the Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided in part from a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.